1: Welcome to Talking Sense with me, Dr. Marta. I'm a clinical psychologist working with children and families and every week I answer one of your real-life questions to offer you some psychological understandings and also some ideas and suggestions to guide you. Before we start, I like to do a little check-in just to bring you to the here and now. And today, I'm curious about whether you can think of one thing that you can forgive yourself for, or perhaps offer somebody forgiveness for. Can you think of anything? Does that have to be deep and meaningful? Just a little small thing that you can forgive yourself for doing or forgive somebody else for doing to you. And if you can, just name it. And with that, we can begin. This week's question is on one of my most talked topics, which is emotional regulation. But it's got a twist, because this is emotional regulation for a slightly older child. And I love the question, I love how it's been framed, and let's hear it now before I share my thoughts with you.
2: Hi, Dr. Marta. The reason I wanted to get in touch is surrounding my um, older daughter, she's actually 10 but she's really reactive and um, struggles to regulate her emotions so I wanted to get your thoughts on how I could manage her better. So for example if she's upset or angry about something she'll um, say really emotive things like she wishes I was dead or she'll sometimes slap my arm and even though I know um, that's the time that I need to stay calm and be her anchor I also wonder whether I'm doing enough to make it stop because it's been like this for quite some time now. I often try and wait for her to calm down and I talk to her uh, later. I'll often say, would, do I hit you? You know, how would you feel if I were to hit you? And do I say nasty things to you? Let's have a think about how you might feel. We talk about how else she could react and give her ideas about calming, like star breathing and like squidgy of stress toys, punching the pillow, running around the garden, all of that sort of thing. Um, But I don't feel like we're making an awful lot of progress. My son is also really starting to mirror my daughter. He's eight. Um, And I feel like we're at a crossroads where my husband thinks I'm being too soft and I'm not having enough of an impact um, with my approach to justify continuing as we are. Anyway, I really hope you can help and I really value your advice. Thank you. I think
1: most of us forget when we become adults what it's like to be a child but I haven't met a single adult yet who does not remember being a teenager and although this is a question for a 10 year old we now very much understand that 10 year olds are in a pre-teenage phase and this is a very specific time for development it's incredibly unique 10 year olds are not really like small children anymore they're not their brains are changing their bodies are changing they have hormones soaring in their bodies in small doses because they've not arrived to adolescence quite yet but they're pre-pubertal and that is different on top of that Ten-year-olds are in a place where they're beginning to develop relationships and socializing in a way that is no longer like children. Lots of 10-year-olds are exposed to things that are a lot more adult, whether it be through social media or the internet or their friendships. There's conversations about identity, conversations about sexuality. These things matter. And you might think, wait, the question's about emotional regulation. Yes and I'm gonna come to that. But we need to remember that emotional regulation is a developmental skill, which means we grow emotional regulation as we grow and develop. And I'm gonna go into details on this in a second, but what it means is that when your child is going through a massive developmental phase, such as pre-adolescence, pre-pubescence, It is one of those critical times where their brain is shifting. Hormones are doing things to their body physically but also emotionally. And this is exactly the kind of time where you're going to see big emotional outbursts, big outpours of distress, and big emotions that might seem really, really irrational to you. Children during the toddler years their brains are expanding they're learning through first experiences and there is so many synaptic connections that are forming okay the brain is kind of learning wiring a map of understanding of the world and of themselves and in adolescence what happens is consolidation the things that adolescents experience either make them Hold on to information more firmly. So, if you like, it's like strengthening connections, or those connections get lost. And that's why it really matters how we show up when our child is showing emotional overwhelm or distress. The words that we use, our posture, our emotional contribution to their distress, whether we come with calm or we meet them with anger and attack. This shapes their experience and it also either consolidates emotional regulation, helping to build on the skills that children have already begun to develop up to this point, or it can mean that they develop unhealthy skills of either emotional suppression or being unable to control their emotions and just, you know, unleashing them. So what really matters in these moments is how we show up how we come to hold and support their emotions, or we come to suppress and punish them. This really does matter when it comes to emotional regulation. So what we do in front of our child when they're emotionally dysregulated and what we model when we're feeling intense emotions is really key. Emotional regulation is the ability to manage your emotions in a way that means that you can still think about making the right choice in that moment. It is not about emotional suppression. It is not about trying to not feel anything. It's the opposite. It's about feeling, being able to express or release an emotion and be able to find a suitable outcome. We know that emotion in our bodies triggers the amygdala in the brain to switch on which is where the fight flight freeze fawn response is and that's what we often witness when our children have a tantrum or a big escalation of emotion and what the amygdala in our brain does is reach out to a different part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex to buffer emotion. The prefrontal cortex mediates things like our impulses, our ability to take an action, initiate, making a choice, making a decision. The prefrontal cortex develops really slowly. It doesn't mature until we're 25 and it's actually during adolescence when it really switches on. That means that as adults we have a very specific role because our job is to act like our child's prefrontal cortex. We are externally trying to be that part of their brain that is missing and I know this probably sounds really weird and I remember thinking it was really weird when I heard about it but when a child doesn't have something they need you to help them do it. And the only way that I've been able to make sense of this for myself, genuinely, I have done this, is to think a bit of how before our children can walk and they're babies and they're crawling around but they can't really get anywhere very rapidly, we pick them up, don't we? We carry them or we put them in a buggy. We take the task of carrying our child while they cannot, their feet cannot do it for them. This is similar. Because what we need to do as adults and parents is carry our children's emotions, hold their tantrum, buffer it, mediate it, until their brain can do it for them. I think that when we understand that a 10 year old's brain is not fully formed, and that actually it's going through some really big shifts, and this is just, I'm only talking about the brain and the body here, while knowing very clearly that, as I said before, tenure was also going through lots of big social, emotional shifts in the real world too, then I think what I was really struck by in this question was this idea of what I'm doing is not having an impact, I can't justify keep doing this. And I think this is a really interesting and important point because I think as parents, we can feel like we're not doing anything when our child's behavior doesn't seem to change. And one of the reminders that I want to give you here is that behavior doesn't change that quickly, not at all, especially not with children or adolescents. It changes over time through repetition, through practice, and it's exhausting. I know it's exhausting. It feels like it's never gonna end. It feels like it's worthless. You're wasting your time. But I want you to remember something. What you're doing here is not changing behavior. You are building your child's brain. This is our most important organ and a brain takes time to build. Childhood is a tiny chapter of your child's life. And adolescence is one of those kind of key moments. Pre adolescence and adolescence is really key. And so, although it may feel like you're not doing anything, if you're able to hold a calm, stance and I'm going to give you some steps so don't worry but if you're able to hold a calm stance to be your child's prefrontal cortex to buffer their big big emotions to be the adult in the situation who is able to think my child is crying out for help my child is having a really hard time my child's brain cannot cope with this emotional outburst I just need to be here. I know this is hard. I know this is really hard. Saying it is so easy. Doing it feels impossible sometimes. But this is really important because there is this idea that what we're doing or like, you know, when people like me, Um, talk about development and talk about emotional regulation that what we're doing is talking about some kind of soft approach now I really have an issue with this idea of soft versus I don't know what the opposite is tough can we call it tough approach I have this real issue with it and I'm going to tell you why and this is personal as well as professional but why does being a tough parent sound better does it sound better to you I mean, I don't know you and I don't know what your approach is to parenting, but if you're listening to this podcast, I've got a pretty good idea of the kind of human that you are and the kind of parent you want to be and probably are already because the fact that you're here listening to me talk about this is sign enough that you're doing enough. But for me, you know, there's this sense about being a tough parent is better. Well, for me, I really would like my child to remember me as tender and gentle and loving. I don't want my child to think of me as tough or harsh or mean or punitive. Like those are not words that I want to associate in my relationship with my child. Call me soft, call me gentle, call me any of those words. You know, you're too kind or you're too nice. Yeah, fine. I will take that and I actually take that as a badge of honor because what it says to me is I'm doing something different. I'm doing something that might feel like really strange and unfamiliar to some people because maybe what they received is tough. And I know some of you listening to this will think, yeah, that's me and that's okay. I want you to know that does not make you a bad parent. Absolutely not. And even if you think the tough approach is the right approach, I just want you to question it, okay? I'm not telling you what's right or wrong. I can tell you what works with emotional regulation, but the choices you make in your home are yours. I always want you to know that. They're always yours. But I do want you to stop and reflect and think, is that who you wanna be with your child? Are those the words that you want to align in your relationship with your child? Um, Ten-year-olds are children, okay? Of course they are, we know this. But, you know, our expectations of a ten-year-old need to align with where they are developmentally. So, instead of thinking about this as a soft approach, as something you have to justify, I'm going to reframe this for you, for all of you, any of you that may find this useful. This isn't soft. This is developmentally appropriate. This is honouring your child for being a child. This is recognizing that this is a unique stage of development, a unique chapter in our lives when we are children, when we're going through adolescent transformation. It's a transformation, a whole person transformation. I want you to remember, this isn't soft, okay? And it can coexist with firm. Boundaries and I'm going to talk about that in a second. So you can be developmentally appropriate Without being punitive You do not have to think I did it twice three times I did it for a year and it's still not working because the reality is That emotional regulation. You're not going to witness it in childhood. I mean, this is a hard fact, but you're not you're not You may witness snippets of it, and I'm gonna share what that sounds like. That sounds like your child naming their emotion. So rather than losing it uncontrollably, then being able to verbalize and say, I feel angry right now, or you hurt me, or I don't like it when you say, or when you do, that is emotional regulation. Okay, and that is amazing. If any of your children speak that way, that is incredible work that you've done with them.
3: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC.
1: the kind of intensity of the emotion will shrink over time. So what that means is, and I'm making it up here, but if your child is emotionally dysregulated for half an hour, it might look like in a few months that they are dysregulated for 20 minutes. And then at some point, it'll be 10 minutes. And then at some point, it'll be like, I like to expect, a 10 year old dropping a glass of water, they'll just go, oh no and wipe it off. A two-year-old who drops a glass of water might scream their heads off. That's emotional regulation. Your 10-year-old has been regulating their emotions. There's gonna be times where your 10-year-old is doing it beautifully. They're no longer screaming and shouting when you don't give them the right color bowl, or their ice cream falls, or they can't do a button. That's gone, that's gone. And it's a skills building. It's a developmental um, achievement. But yet I know that what happens is we don't see that because we still see that our child is screaming and raging and banging and saying mean words. And yes, that's because they haven't developed full emotional regulation. Now I'm gonna stop because we're gonna move on to what you do with your child. But first of all, I really wanna move on to what you do with you. Okay, because emotional regulation is not actually taught. Not in the way that we think about teaching things like reading or writing or riding a bike. It's not that. Emotional regulation is absorbed. They learn it, children learn it from how we model it, for how we show up with our emotions, from the words that we use when we're dysregulated, from the words and the actions we take when they're in emotional overwhelm. That's where children learn it. That's where their brains connect calm and soothing with their big emotions or anger, rage, punishment with their big emotions, which only makes them escalate further. Or it can lead them to suppress emotion out of fear. But when we do that, we lock rage inside children's bodies. And of course, that isn't what we want to do and that isn't healthy, but particularly in adolescence, this can also be quite risky. As a parent with a preteen or an adolescent, I want you to know that you are their most protective and safe base. You need to be the person who is able to tolerate their distress and their pain the best. What that looks like in the moment is protecting your child and others when they're really emotionally dysregulated. And protection comes from the actions that you choose or don't choose to take. And that sounds like, don't punish your child. Don't attack them back. Do not take their actions or their words personally. It's not personal, it's emotional dysregulation. Be really aware of your body language. If you can, stay quite soft. Make sure that your facial gestures are softened as much as you can because you're gonna get triggered when your child is saying, I wish you were dead. You're a normal human. Of course that's triggering, that's painful, that hurts. You know, like it's a wound. And I want you to know that your child is trying to bait you into conflict and you're not going to take this conflict, okay? You're not, you're gonna not pick up this hot potato. I don't know if any of you remember those kind of hot potato games. You're gonna let go of that potato, okay? It's not yours to hold, quick, pass it off. Let it fly past you. That's the kind of person that you have to be in that moment. And you can set a boundary because of course, it's not okay to you, for your child to talk to you like that. And yes, you need to tell them in that moment and you can be firm, but, You don't have to be punitive or mean or attacking. So that might sound like, I'm not gonna let you talk to me like that. So I'm gonna walk away now. When you're calm, we can talk. That's it. Those are my words. But it sounds like that. It sounds like I am not, okay? What are you not gonna tolerate? I'm not gonna let you talk to me like that. I'm not gonna let you hit me. I'm not gonna let you throw objects whatever it is, and you stop it. So when it's about you, when these are mean words that your child is throwing at you, you take that and you walk away, but you name it, okay? You're saying to your child, I can't tolerate you talking to me like this. You're not saying to your child, I can't tolerate you. That is a different, subtle nuance. I can't tolerate you sounds like, I can't take this anymore. I don't wanna be around you. That's not the same as saying, I am not going to let you talk to me like that. So I'm gonna go away now. I'll be back. And do come back, okay? Your child needs you. Because one of the things that's really key is understanding the communication that your child is giving you when they say mean words like, I hate you or I wish you were dead or whatever it is. Those are words that are pain. Your child Is hiding more vulnerable, painful feelings underneath. What does that mean? I don't know. Because I don't know you and I don't know your child. But you know your child. And if this is a repetitive thing, if you've got a 10-year-old who keeps saying, I hate you, you're mean, I want you to go away, whatever it is, I really want you to sit and sit with those words and think, what is your child trying to tell you? What is not working in your relationship with your child? Or what is not working in the relationships, plural, your child has with either people at home or people outside of the home? So remember, 10 year olds are going through massive shifts in their lives. What is going on for your child? That they're in so much pain, that they're trying to get rid of the one person who is able to look after them, nurture them, Keep them safe. Love them. When a child rejects a parent, it's a scream that says, I need you, but I don't know how to ask you for help. That is the communication I want you to hear. What it means for your child, I don't know. But it doesn't mean that you have to punish. It means you have to understand. It means you have to set boundaries. And there is more. You need to teach your child something, okay? And remember, teaching takes time. So if you're already doing this, I mean, this far that I've talked, this is incredible. You're doing amazing work. And yes, it's gonna look like nothing sometimes. It's not gonna be something that you can witness very quickly. But I want you to trust this process, okay? You are doing wonderful things for your child's brain, even if you're just going this far, which is about remaining calm, and setting a boundary. And I want you to see beneath their behavior to their communication, and I've already given you a sense of what it's gonna be around, and I want you to then teach. But teaching only happens when your child is calm and when you're calm. And one of the things that often happens when children say mean words like this is that of course, I mean, we're human. We might be adults with a more mature brain, but most adults are not very good at self-regulation because many adults have not had developmentally appropriate parenting. And I'm not saying that in a mocking way. I'm saying that in an honest way. You know this is a new generation and the things that we're doing now are not necessarily the things that you've received and I get how hard that is on so many levels and it's also particularly hard because we're not very good at regulating our emotions and we're expecting our children to do it but also trying to model it to them that's hard so what I want you to do is to really sit down and reflect on what do you need before you go into a conversation with your child, which is going to be the lessons, the teaching. You might need a few hours. You might need a day. I don't want you to think, oh my God, I'm soft. I've lost an opportunity. No, you're not. And you haven't lost an opportunity. Your best opportunity is when both you and your child's nervous system is calm and soothed. That's when you're both going to be receptive to listening to each other. And then you can talk. I want to tell you that when you start to do this conversation, it needs to sound like an invitation to your child, not a lecture. I know this is tricky and a little bit nuanced, but the difference is saying to your child, hey, I was thinking about what happened yesterday, and I know that you got really angry with me, and I really think we need to talk, but you're not in trouble. I just wanna understand. That is an invitation. This is a lecture. We need to talk about what happened yesterday when you shouted at me and said those horrible things. Do you know what it feels like when you speak to me like that? Have you thought about how I feel? Now, I know that if you're doing this, what you're actually trying to do is help your child build empathy. I hear it. I get it. I so get it. And I wanna tell you, this isn't gonna help your child build empathy. Why? Because you're taking an adult perspective and putting it on a child. And your child is not able to take your point of view. Empathy is another skill that takes a long time to build. But when we try and build empathy by trying to make our child accountable for their behavior, by focusing on us, the only thing we do is shut down our child's brain children hear those words, how would it feel if I hit you? And what they do is roll their eyes, whether it's visibly or internally, they're going, oh, you don't get me. Because the bit that we've missed as adults is to get them, is to listen, is to understand why the behavior is there in the first place. And when we don't do that, we're totally missing the mark. Of course, unintentionally unintentionally because what you're trying to do is actually beautiful but if we want to build empathy with our children we can't use ourselves not in those moments of conflict because that's just kind of a passive way of saying to our child what you did is wrong there's a better way much better way straightforward way one understand them okay so yeah ask them what is going on Just tell me what's going on. You have been shouting and saying these things at me for so long, so I know something's not okay. Help me, I don't know what's wrong. Is it me? Yep, talk about yourself. Is it me? Am I doing something that makes you feel like I don't understand you? Is it somebody at school? Is it your father? Is it your sibling? I don't know. What is it? I want to get you. Okay, that is a conversation that's gonna get you somewhere because what you're doing is using curiosity and questioning and saying, I just don't understand, help me. When we do that, our children are more likely to open up. And that is when you're gonna be able to have influence on your child, to be able to say the things you wanna say to them, but tell them directly. And that sounds like, you know, as I said yesterday, I'm not okay with you saying that to me. Instead of, I wish you were dead, what else can you tell me when you're really angry and you've had enough of me? What can you say instead? Because those words are not okay. So let's figure out what you're gonna say to me next time. That's it, practice it. Make sure your child knows and remembers and tell them that you love them. The end of this conversation sounds like, you know, you're a really good kid and I love you, and I know it's really hard being a 10-year-old, and whatever it is that they've shared with you, and our family life isn't perfect, and I've really heard you, I'm gonna try and work on those things, I get it. And remember, you're gonna try and work on not saying that you wanna kill me. What are you gonna say instead? Consolidate the skill, ask them, remind them, do it in a gentle, loving way, yes. Don't be tough, don't be punitive. Give your child that sense of, my parent loves me. Even when I mess up, even when I say the words that are horrendous to them, even when I don't know what to do, my parents giving me grace and they're saying they wanna understand me. That's where I wanna position you as a parent, as somebody who has positive influence on your child, who is able to teach in a way that is effective rather than use punishment or fear-based strategies, which work in the short term, because fear is a powerful force for control, but it is not a powerful teacher for emotional regulation. It leads to suppressing emotion. It does not lead to managing emotion in a healthy way. And finally, I wanna tell you that if you're practicing strategies for soothing your child's body, whatever they might be, perhaps it's deep breathing or perhaps it's using sensory items or fidget toys. This is amazing, you are doing amazing. Just remember, these are tools for soothing. So what that means is they need to be practiced when your child is calm and soothed. They are not the tools that you're gonna be able to use or your child's gonna be able to use at a moment of emotional dysregulation. When the emotion takes over, it's not the time for soothing. It's time to allow it to pass as healthily as we can, which is why we try and teach our children different communication. It's not okay to say, I want you to die, but it is okay to say, I'm really angry with you. Just give me a break. Remember the soothing strategies, therefore after the emotion, okay? When the emotion is passed or it's passing or before it erupts, when your child notices something is wrong, that's the moment where they're supposed to be able to say, you know what, I need a moment. I'm gonna go and uh, take some deep breaths somewhere. What's the best way for your child to learn that that's when to use the strategies? Model it. When you start to feel emotionally dysregulated, catch it in time. Tell your child, I need a moment to cool off. I can feel anger in my body and I just need a moment. Show your child how you regulate and you are teaching them how to regulate themselves. And we're coming to an end. I like to give you a mantra to hold you for the rest of the day. And given our conversation today, my mantra for you is, I trust in the process, it takes time and it's worth it. I wish you a peaceful week and I hope you'll join me again next week for another Talking Sense podcast. Until then, see you soon.